The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. We are ready. We hope you are as well. John Scholes here once again, your host, and alongside courtesy Sam Firu to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country, would be our good pal Andrew Goldberg, ready to uh, answer all of your questions, armed with his own stuff as well, so you'll learn something over the next half hour. You want to email anytime. As a matter of fact, you could do that help at employmentlawyer.ca. And there's a website built just for you, full of information, free, anonymous. And contained in that website is the severance pay calculator. Over 2 million people have used it and had their eyes opened big time. Severance pay calculator can be found at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So, Mosey on over there anytime you would like and uh, and learn something, right? We're going to get to this, the main topic. If you're an employee, you should never, dot, dot, dot. We'll get to those talking points in a bit. But uh, Andrew, case of the day, brother, what do you got going on? Hey, John. Um, today, briefly, I wanted to discuss something that came up in one of my files. And it's something that comes up all the time and very likely affects or could affect quite a few of our listeners out there. And, and that is the situation where you earn commissions as a part of or a substantial part of your compensation. And what exactly happens to your commissions if you're let go from your job? What if you made sales and those sales closed or, or were set to close shortly after your termination? You know, do you have a right to pursue those commission amounts? Right. And for our listeners out there, I just wanted to kind of very briefly speak to the fact that you know, if you're let go and you've made sales, then yes, you very likely are owed the commissions. And, you know, we discuss all the time on the show, the idea of, you know, your severance. And when we talk about severance, it's a length of time, you're owed 10 months or eight months or two years of severance. And our listeners should be very aware of the fact that, you know, you are owed the commissions in almost all circumstances that kind of accrue during that severance period. You're entitled to all forms of your compensation during your severance period. And we see time and time again, companies trying to let people go right before they owe them a big commission on a sale in an effort to avoid paying them that amount. So um, for those that are out there that are let go and feel that, you know, you're owed commissions, um, certainly, uh, that's something that you should be pursuing. It's funny. I have a friend who was at a at a movie screening the other night. She sat right beside me, she, and she just went through this entire thing with a former employer. She was in sales, got let go, and they, you know, they they they, they did it trying to be sneaky and got rid of her before the commissions were up to be uh, to be paid out. And I know she's talking to one of your uh, your colleagues at the firm about what's going on, so I'm sure she's in good hands. But this is. This is a proven technique, I think, Andrew, by a lot of employers just before it's bonus time or, or uh, you know, commission time. They figure they try to get smart and cute and let people go. And a lot of people won't know that, hey, well, I guess, you know, they let me go before I got my commission. I guess I guess that's okay, but that's not always the case, is it? Right. That That's exactly true. I mean, employers try to use it as a way out all the time to avoid paying people, just mm-hmm. like you, you mentioned with your friend. And and also, it's it's something to keep in mind when people come to speak to me and you know other colleagues at the firm they might present a severance package or or just speak to it very quickly they might say you know i got this offer 
I'm, you know, 50 years old. I work in sales. I've been there for 10 years and I've been offered uh, 12 months severance. And, you know, on the surface, that sounds great. Like you've worked there for 10 years, you're getting 12 months. That could very well be a, a solid notice period, 12 months. Mm -hmm. But the question really is, are you getting your full entitlements during that period? And lo and right. behold, once you review the package, okay, they're getting their base salary for the 12 months, which is maybe 40% of their pay, but they're not getting the other 60%, which is, you know, commissions or bonus or, or otherwise. And, and it, it's definitely important um, to note that uh, even, even if there's something in your contract that purports to, you know, limit your ability to get those commissions or bonuses there's often ways around that as well so at bare bare minimum you should be giving us a call to to suss out whether you have further entitlements and uh, by the way to reach andrew anytime he's got a great team working for him as well 1-855-821-5900 1-855-821-5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca it's interesting since we're uh, kind of on the topic of of people in sales off the top here if someone's been working in sales for uh, you know quite a quite a long time, their 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 um, their compensation, whether it's you know base plus uh, plus commissions or full commission, is is bound to go up and down and up and down. It's kind of a hilly road. So when you guys at the firm, Andrew, if you're if you're calculating someone's severance, you know if they come to you as a person who's let go in sales, do you take an average over two three years and and give them an average earning? How do you do it for salespeople that don't always have a consistent paycheck? Right. That, that's an excellent question. And the our legal system obviously recognizes that, right? If your pay is up and down because uh, you're making variable income, it's not a set base salary, then what you know the courts have said and what we do to calculate your entitlement is typically look at the historical average, like a three-year average is, is really the barometer, and we use that as the figure. That being said, you know, if you work for a company, let's say for five years, and every year your commissions have gone up and up and up and up, then an argument can be made that, well, why use a three-year average? We're seeing this trajectory keep climbing. We should use the last year, which is the greatest, you know, the highest number of commissions, uh, or try to project it out even further and say, well, why wouldn't it have been even higher in the sixth year? If it's been higher every year to date, uh, so why is that unreasonable? Usually we use an average when it's up and down and, you know, it's kind of hard to gauge where it's going to be. But if you can show a consistent, uh, you know, improvement over time, an argument can be made that, you know, we should use your your latest year, which is your highest year and base yeah. your severance on that. Let's get into this. I mentioned the topic off the top, Al. If you're an employee, you should never, number one, make assumptions about your employment rights, right? Right. I mean, this is the, to be the golden rule. Um, it, if you, number one, I mean, employment rights are not always kind of predictable or, you know, practical. Like, like there's a lot of implications uh, based on, you know, a, years and years and years of how our legal system has evolved and people are not fit to make these assumptions on their own. And it's very important that you speak to an employment lawyer. If you have any concerns in the workplace about your pay, maybe, or about how you're treated or changes to, you know, your terms of your employment and, and your responsibilities, whatever the case might be, if you have concerns, 
the best thing you could possibly do is speak to an employment lawyer as soon as possible. Because when you make assumptions, what you'll end up doing are the wrong things. And the longer that you go on and on and on and do the wrong things, by the time things get dire and you speak to an employment lawyer, our job becomes that much more difficult because now we have to try to unwind some of the things that have happened, put you in the best situation possible. The people who I actually get the best results for tend to be the ones that come to me as early as possible when they're having issues because I can then guide them through the process, help them say the right things to their employer, respond the right ways. And that way, once it's time for me to kind of reveal myself and get involved, if it becomes necessary at all, we've set it up really to just hit a slam dunk and and get the person like their full entitlements, right? So I, I can't stress enough, uh, if, if you have any concerns at all, it doesn't hurt to just give us a call, set up a consultation. It could be the difference of tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's definitely worth doing. And in the meantime, by the way, before you even make that phone call, which you should do, of course, to Andrew and his, his team, I did mention earlier, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You go there, and it's a simple scroll. Uh, information about termination for cause. Does the company ha have cause to let me go if you're an independent contractor, if you're not? Constructive dismissal, uh, human rights violations, workplace harassment. All these topics are right there, easy to read. So, again, the education, learning about your workplace rights, the first step could be that website right off the top. And that is uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So it's uh, it's a beauty for sure. It was constructed for you to use it absolutely uh, to free of charge. Okay, number two, if you're an employee, you should never accept significant changes to the terms of your employment. Why and what does that mean, pal? Well, what that means essentially is that, you know, you're hired to do a specific job. You get paid a certain amount. You have a reporting structure. Uh, you know your duties and responsibilities. You work out of whatever location you know you work out of, whether it be a certain office, whether from home or what have you. Um, over time, your employer might attempt to change some of these things unilaterally. So they might start saying, look, we want you to work out of this other location, or we want you to take on these additional duties, uh, or we want to take away some of these duties. You know, it could be a variety of things that an employer attempts to change. Uh, to the terms of your employment. Now, as an employee, you have rights to your job and the job that you agreed to and the pay you agreed to, the duties and responsibilities, all of these things. So if your employer makes changes and they're significant and they're detrimental to you, you do have recourse in that situation. You, you can say no. And if the employer persists and implements the changes anyway, you can, you know, as we've discussed many times on the show, pursue your severance. However, if your employer makes changes to the terms of your employment and you accept them either, you know, expressly in, in a contract or just by allowing time to elapse, like say, for instance, you know, my boss tells me, Andrew, I want you to start doing this new duty and I start doing it and a month or two months go by, that is deemed to be an acceptance because I just have started doing it and continue to do it. So it's very, very important to know that if changes are made to the terms of your employment, you have to act on that quickly. And if you don't, and you accept the changes and allow them to kind of be implemented, then you might get rid of the right to act on that later. And you might be just out of luck. And that's now part of your employment. 
Joanne, we see you there on the phone. Stand by. You are first up as soon as we come back. Joanne's doing the right thing. She's asking questions. You can do that too. 416-870-6400. We continue after short break. Lots more Employment Law Show. The Tuesday night edition continues right here. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of six. 40 Toronto. Welcome back to it. Our topic, if you're an employee, you should never. We'll get to those talking points more than in just a minute, but the phone calls always priority. Love having you on the air. Appreciate your time. Uh, in that regard, Joanne, thanks for standing by for a moment. How are you? Not bad. Yourself? Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time. What's your question, my dear? I'd like to know if someone can be fired for time theft. Uh, okay. Um, can you elaborate a bit on the specifics? Yep. Our, our job involves taking pictures all day long. And someone, say someone says they work till 5.30, but their pictures show that they only work till 2.30. Oh, right. And so there's okay. nothing they can do that doesn't involve pictures. Okay. So, I mean, there's there's kind of two parts to the answer to this question, Okay. Someone can someone could be fired really for any reason, right? Like nothing's preventing the company from firing that person, right? Right. The question becomes more so, is the time theft just cause to be fired, right? Does that amount right. to just cause for termination? And mm-hmm. if if it is just cause, then is that going to prevent someone from getting their severance entitlements, right? Like someone could get let go, they're just owed a severance. But if the company's trying to say, oh no, well, you know, you're not working all these hours, we're paying you to work and we're firing you for cause, no severance. Well, the question becomes, should they or should they have not received a severance? And the answer to that is going to be based on a couple of things. One, you know, how much time was, you know, was not worked that was claimed to have worked. And also whether there was, you know, something called progressive discipline, were they given warnings, a verbal warning, a written warning, maybe a suspension, or were they just fired immediately the first time and, and how severe the time theft was. So we'd have to kind of look at all of those factors. And if this individual, you know, is trying to pursue a severance package, what I'd recommend that they do is give us a call so we can get those specifics and actually make an assessment as to whether or not they have severance entitlements because it is very high, hard to fire someone for cause. But that said, time theft could be a serious issue. So that's something where more it in- happens repeatedly. Like we're discovering that it's almost on a daily basis. Right. So if it's happening on a daily basis and the more that it's happening, the more likely it could be cause. Okay. okay. Um, and the more likely it could be cause despite the fact that there were no warnings or anything given, it is very hard to fire someone without warnings, but if it's so bad and it's happening all the time and it's so blatant, it is possible that it is caused. But again, we would need to know kind of more of the details. Certainly that is something that is possible uh, indeed. Okay, great. Joanne, I'm going to give you a number you want to carry uh, carry on afterwards at a later time. You can. It's 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. And you can email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, Llewellyn, thank you so much for standing by. You are next. What oh, yeah. is your question? Yeah. I have um, 
an experience that happened to me in 2015. I was working for a company that I was headhunted to work for. Management changed and another junior manager was uh, in my department. So at the time I was looking to grow. I'm a young like female. I'm, I'm trying to break out into a different sales role from the internal sales role I had. And I found I was in roadblocks with um, gender discrimination. I was also told that <laughs> women who speak louder get walked out the door faster. Um, those were kind of comments that were going around. And then uh, near the end of my two years, when I was trying to express myself to grow, the, the, the young junior manager said, I looked everywhere and there's no position for you, which was not the case. He didn't want me working for him um, in the department. So I got a severance pay. I got um, another employee there was making comments about um, inappropriate comments about women being pregnant, but he got promoted and I got walked out the door. Right. So with a month's severance, which was shocking, but I don't know if there's a case to reopen something like this because there is human rights issues. But at the time when I was in my young career profession, I couldn't uh, seek a lawyer. So I'm just right. curious now if those are able, because it's, there is some legal imp- implementation on this and I can see it, but I don't know right. if you can go back that far because you're time pressed to sign that release of non-disclosure or whatever. Right. Open, um, things okay. that were never acknowledged. Right. So, so completely understand your concerns. And I mean, unfor- it's unfortunate that these things happen at all. Um, but there's in your situation, there's likely two overarching issues, okay? Issue yeah. number one is you, in order to bring a human rights claim, in Ontario at least, uh, you have to bring it within a year, okay? Okay. And a year of the of the kind of the incident or or sometimes if it's a series of incidents, then, you know, a year from the kind of the last of the series of incidents, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Now, if you... So already, if this happened in 2015, mm-hmm. for starters, it would be very, ne- probably nearly impossible to bring this claim now, unless yeah. it's something that you only discovered recently, which would no. be, it doesn't sound like it's the case. It sounds like it was more, you just felt pressured at that time, which I understand. And it's not something that's, you know, uncommon or specific to you. Unfortunately, there's women that call us and and have been through your situation and we've definitely helped with in those situations. But number two, even if it happened within, let's just say the last year, if you did sign a release uh, when you got your severance package, uh, it's very possible. And I'd have to obviously review the release that you've prevented yourself from pursuing human rights related issues yeah. right and yeah. and, and that's yeah. why and, and and i don't mean to kind of you know it's, it's just a bad situation and i'm not not trying to you know make it worse by telling you there's nothing we can do here but sometimes that is yeah. the case and hopefully this can just be a lesson for people more than anything if they're ever in your situation in the future to know that it that's why it's important to number one if you're provided a severance package speak to a lawyer before signing it and number mm-hmm. two don't be afraid to stand up for your rights in the moment because if, if you let too much time go by and you sign releases and things like that, it, you're going to be prevented from doing anything in the future. So, you know, you can, it, 
I suppose there's a world where it's possible something can be done here. But if you knew about the issue in 2015 and signed a release, I would say it's highly unlikely that at this point something could be done. Right, right. Okay. Right. Well, I appreciate that. I just wanted to see what what you can do moving forward. Like, I, I, I'll take your information down just to keep um, exactly. legal advice navigating yeah. the women in business in corporate sales pipeline because it's it's a fine line between rocking the boat and not rocking the boat when you want to fix some inappropriate behaviors, but you got to do it in a in a roundabout way. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. Next time, Llewellyn, you just uh, you know when it's happening or uh, you want to nip in the bud, uh, reach out to us here and reach out to uh, to Andrew Early for sure. That number one eight five five eight two one. 5,900, got a couple minutes to go, man. Let's get to a couple more of these uh, talking points that we were uh, discussing earlier. That is, if you're an employee, you should never accept a verbal termination. Andrew, you're fired. How'd you go? Right. Uh, it, um, so when it comes to a verbal termination, and, and this applies to a lot of situations in the workplace, mm-hmm. when things are verbal, then they aren't, oh, it goes without saying that they aren't documented, right? So if you're terminated verbally and you, you then come speak to me and say, oh, I'm fired, I wasn't given a severance, well, like, what do I do? And then I write a letter or what have you to the company and say, give, give John or Dave or Joanne or whoever their severance, they've been fired. You know, they turn around and say, oh, no, 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 they weren't fired. They resigned or right. they abandoned their job or what have you. And they make up, you know, a whole BS story of what, you know, happened purportedly in order to avoid giving that person their severance entitlements because they maybe didn't know at the time they fired them verbally that they had such entitlements, right? So you want to for sure document these things. If you are terminated verbally, um, you know, you can't necessarily force the company to write you up a document per se, right? But you can email like if your boss fires you email after and and document the conversation you know as discussed you fired me today and i won't be in tomorrow i was completely caught off guard by this and um whatever you know it was like something along the lines of you kind of papering the interaction so that you know you can use that as evidence later if they say well the person resigned then you say well why didn't you respond to his email when he said that I was terminated, saying that you you weren't terminated, you resigned, right? It gives you something to work with uh, as an employee who's pursuing your severance entitlement. So it's definitely important to try to document things. Like so even if even if you don't get a response, it's kind of a case of silence is the same as acceptance. If you don't get a response from just letting you know that you fired me such and such a date, if it's crickets at that point, you're still okay, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, they become very hard-pressed to argue against that, right? Like if you're... Yeah a company and you're saying, no, 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 they resigned, then, well, then why didn't you respond to the email saying you resigned, right? Or or give them an opportunity to do so and say, well, I didn't resign. If your positions, I resigned, I'll be at work tomorrow, right? Or you can even end the email and say, (laughs) if my, if my recollection of this is incorrect in any way, please let me know. And that way, if they don't, it even adds to your case, but you know, is it as perfect as getting a proper termination letter with a severance offer and what have you? No, but it's definitely better than just getting a verbal termination and walking away, and and that's all we have. 
And we are done. That's all we have for time. Back in tomorrow, 6.30. In the meantime, to reach Andrew and his team, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you again, Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.